Welcome to the Sports Finder Podcast. Let's get ready to rumble! Welcome to episode four of the Business of NIL. My name is Ahmed, and today we have a very special guest who's lived through a very interesting experience with the NCAA. Um, her name is Brittany Collins. Let's wait for Brittany to join us and we will let her in. Um, Brittany's journey is actually extremely interesting, uh, especially in the time that in the times that we are in now with NIL happening and whatnot, she's definitely one that could share quite the story. Let's bring her in. Here we go. Brittany should be joining us any second. Brittany! I'm crossing my fingers. I moved to a different room. Our Wi-Fi has been kind of bad since the storms. I think it might have blown out one of our servers, but I'm crossing my fingers. That's all right. You sound you sound much much better. So, um, so unfortunately, we're going to have to start again. So, <laughs> no worries. Sorry about that. Yeah. So basically, Brittany, you've had uh, quite the experience with the NCAA. NIL is the biggest conversation now in the world of college sports. You've lived a a unique, um, maybe one that not many student athletes want to go through. But you know, unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> you you've been through it. So. Um, I'll give, give you the floor and tell us all, all, all about it. Let's go. Yeah. So, um, I, uh, unfortunately last October was, I got a text from one of my coaches and they had sent me a headliner from the NCAA. Actually, it was a press release statement saying that UMass gave these impermissible benefits of $9,100 to their college athletes. I almost disregarded the message cause I, I didn't think it was possible that it would be me removed from school like three years later. And so I was like, oh, that's a shame, like too bad. And my coach was like, no, Britt, you got to read the article. <laughs> um, didn't you play on the tennis team during those years? And I was like, oh, that's, that's interesting. So I opened it up and found that I was reading about myself and my best friend. And uh, it was really confusing and kind of a disappointing way to learn that your career was being erased, never having got a phone call from the people that were doing so. So I wasn't even sure what happened and ended up calling kind of our AD and our coach at the time and just saying, like, what did we do wrong? And I found out we didn't do anything wrong, which was even more disappointing. We were basically, uh, my junior year, we moved off campus and we were by accidentally given like a clerical error of $252 each just one time for a landline stipend. Never got used. There was never a landline, no phone jack. Um, and so kind of all these things had unfolded and I was just like our careers are being erased and our A-10 title that we had worked so hard for just gone from the organizers for supposed to protect us for something that we didn't do wrong at all and furthermore UMass had kind of come in and self-reported self-reported it and it's supposed to be this incentivized program where if you do something wrong as a school whether it's a mistake or intentional and you report it you're supposed to be giving out kind of a more lenient punishment 
And they actually came to an agreement with UMass saying, yeah, this was so minor, like clearly a mistake. Nobody meant to do this. You know, just like probation and a small $5,000 fine will be good enough. And somewhere along the line, somebody discovered that this affects their amateurism model. And they're like, we can't have this because we show the other schools they need to stay in line. And they, they decided that they would give out the harshest penalty like possible in the NCAA history by erasing our careers. Something they don't even do for like major offenses uh, done with intent when, you know, football players are get, getting handed cash that they just looked the other way for. So I realized how wrong this was and started a petition that night and talked to my teammates. And we were just kind of like lucky. It just like blew up um, over the internet and started getting hold of some pretty incredible journalists and sports outlets. And as I started this, I had been reached out by Senator Murphy's team and Senator Booker's team. And they were like, your story can help propel this kind of message of why it's so important that college sports industry has to change to be able to monetize their NIL and have healthcare. And I just started looking kind of deeper into it and I felt it resonated with me. And so kind of today I am trying to do the best I can to be an activist and kind of just do whatever I can to help the, the movement. Wow. So you, so you lost your title because of a $250 landline. That nobody even uses anymore. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't exist. Uh, we never spent the money. So technically, if you do catch this in the act, give the money back and go charity, and like everything's good. But because they didn't cover this till three years later, that that wasn't possible. And so NCAA was like, "Well, you we're negligent." Like, "Well, we weren't because we found out, we reported it." So it's been this kind of vicious cycle of semantics, reporting that's all this like accountable to this possible standard that helps out the NCAA and not the athletes at all. So now we're seeing um, the industries evolved. Uh, we're living in history. We're seeing now that athletes can monetize. But you know what we're starting to hear about a lot is it's really hard to get a deal through because the compliance teams are having a lot of issues um, understanding deals and you know, it's everything is so is so new to them. Yeah. So, do you feel like? I mean, this is up to you to comment or not. But do you feel like that? Yeah, it's legal, but like the process is still really, really um, not what what it should be for the athlete. Yeah, great question. So this has been that that's a really valid point, and this has been one of the arguments that some of the players have been about NIL is like we can't go through with this because athletes are going to get in a shady deal and they're going to break rules and things like that that's that's not not true that's that is valid but that is like not a reason in my opinion to restrict athletes for something that they're so they should be so guaranteed to you know their own name image and likeness something that nobody should own nobody does own in history where that question becomes really important that's the NCAA's responsibility their whole tagline is protect college athletes. And the fact that they left the, you know, the blanket exception rule to about like 48 hours, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, by just saying, all right, everyone can do it now. That not only like, uh, I guess, hurt athletes in a way, but it hurt, just as you said, the administration. They literally left their own organization to fend for themselves and create these rules that there would be so many conflicts of interest. 
So for athletes, you know, talking strictly to the athletes in those this is why we need state laws. Come from not schools, in my opinion, uh, because the athletes are protected. And then athletes, yes, this is scary, but if they go to, you know, the right lawyers, the right people, the right organizations, tons of them out there, they can be protected. Those people can do those rules for them and be fine. So totally valid point. It, it is scary. There are conflicts. There are potential, you know, problems, but it's definitely no fault of the athletes. It's, it's the NCAA that had two years to do something and decided not to. That could be part of the strategy, actually their strategy because totally <laughs> yeah exactly so that i mean everyone thing <laughs> yeah so i mean everyone's gonna have to get go back and say oh we need your help yeah would... like that's that's what they said a lot of people said that this is kind of what the ncaa hoped for but then i just read like a couple of hours ago mark emmert released a statement backpedaling i don't know if you saw that saying it's time we give up power to uh to the schools themselves and so on one hand, it's, like, awesome to finally hear that, like, you know, decentralizing the power. On the other hand, it's, like, what did they got up their sleeve? We don't really know. There's always a backup plan. Yeah, I mean, that's, um, they they never make a move without without it being calculated. I mean, mm -hmm. it's interesting. Interesting to, to, to see how things unfold. Okay. Um, what, what What's your outlook on what's happened so far? We're 16 days in. Yeah. Um, we've seen a few um, episodes, I'm going to call them, a few yeah. episodes of students left vulnerable with companies and whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, do you think we'll continue to see more of that? What are you seeing? What, what are you seeing in terms of the trends? Are things working out for the, for the majority? Are things working out for, for only a, a select few? What's, what's, your, what's your opinion on things? Yeah, I mean, I'm an expert, and there's so much activity going on that it's definitely tough to track everything. I think some of the highlights, and I, it's so cool like to see like Joe Baker among like so many other athletes. There are so many high-profile athletes right now that have taken their NIL, taking the money they're making, and they're paying for their teammates' scholarships. They're paying for their teammates who are walk-ons, things like that. And I'm like, wow, power to them, because so many people said that it was going to buy locker rooms, you just so many athletes back with their NIL, whether it's charity or, or other things like that. And so, yeah, on the flip side of things, there's going to be some, some messy deals, and, and that's unfortunate. And um, what I like to think about it is that if I were back in school and, and I, NIL was a thing, those are great. It's unfortunate. Those are great life lessons. You need to learn how to know what the law is, negotiate taxes, financial literacy, all those things. So it's impossible to start like a new economic kind of market in college sports and not have the bumps. Um, but if you are like some of these athletes I've seen that have like fantastic heads on their shoulders and they're, they're doing the work, they're doing research. I think this is just going to take off in such a positive way. And yeah, there are high profile athletes, but NIL definitely goes beyond the, the social marketing kind of thing, you know, just being able to teach craft sport, which I know so much players that didn't even know that was a, against the rules to be able to teach sport in the summertime. Like, those are just great things that everybody can. One of the things I was speaking to with one of these girls who doesn't have a lot of college, she goes, oh, I don't fit in the NFL era. And I said, no, of course you do, because you're from this small town 
where only this small local business wants to sponsor your sport and you know you're one of the girls and so take advantage of that take advantage of there's nothing better than the local deals because like those are going to be the ones that you have a harder time getting so i think nil has a place for everyone it's going to take the bomb you mentioned the um athletes with, with not such large uh social followings well what what are a few tips other than what you just mentioned for them to monetize their name image or likeness yeah i mean i think like i said if you want to make money the first thing is go teach sport go host summer camp you are going to have some area look with that want to participate and from there your social media grows go after the local deals that's another thing like for local restaurants hotels um, grocery store they just they want to be a part of it so that's a great way bringing in new followers bringing in and just kind of going from there and um, i actually think something that hasn't been talked about a lot um is teaming up with your teammates and doing like, you know, deals among like two, three people that there can be power in numbers and sharing across your platforms and things like that. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I just think the possibilities are, are endless here. And so I would start local if you don't have a huge following and there's like some benefits. That. You don't have to go to like the biggest brand to be kind of like a small fish big pond. You can be a, a big fish small pond and do just great. Yeah, well, and he's a, a shameless plug in regards to our platform when we first built our platform the space we we actually started building in 2019 mm -hmm. um and one of the things that our focus was is okay at the moment there's a ton of platforms that are working in the in the social media world followings you know all that jargon yeah the other thing because I have a marketing background, I sort of understand the networks and what we've seen over the years, the decline of org org organic reach and org organic audiences is only one way. It's down. Mm -hmm. And it has been like that on that trend for many, many years. And that's because the, the business models of these platforms are pay to, pay to play, basically, when it comes to advertising. Yeah. And especially after 2016... Uh, the whole jargon with Canberra, the company's name, that really opened up the eyes. And then Apple as well recently with the update, that clicked it as well. So we always said was, okay, how do we serve the athlete that doesn't have 20,000 social media followers right. that's got 1,800, 900? So the way you do that is, is you always look at the athlete who's got a community around him which is the majority of the time, most athletes. So the community has seen the athlete that's, go from, that's gone from a young boy or a young girl to a teenage boy or girl to now an adult boy or girl to, to the athlete that represents the area that he comes from. Yeah. They're going to be the ones who are going to back him. So how do we enable them? What tools and features? And that's how basically, that's literally the philosophy that we built our, our platform on. Fantastic. So, yeah, so that's that's how we come up with the auctions and the experiences and the products and and okay. and the fundraising and so on. So that's what you're saying. Literally, is going to be out of the six hundred thousand athletes, 
probably about 599,000, literally. Yeah. Because, sure. so that's definitely 100%. Um, I definitely agree with you on, on that one. So, yeah, I just thought I'll throw, throw that in right then and there. No. Right? <laughs> Thank you. No, I think it's, it's, say NIL doesn't work out in your favor and you're not making whatever. At the very least, you've learned how to sell yourself. And that is such an important skill when you go out into the workforce after college. Just learning how to sell yourself and have conversations, tough conversations, negotiations. So invaluable, and I, I totally wish we had that in college. Oh, well. No, oh, too late now, but it's all right. <laughs> it's happened. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, well, thank you very much. I mean, you, you've been, you've definitely given us a ton of insight. Um, really, really insightful story. Unfortunately, it's not one of the, the most ideal experiences, but, you know, um, hopefully you can take that experience and teach these, these young ones how, how to be better people, better athletes, and really understand how the, that they can monetize. So once again, Brittany, thank you very much for joining me on the business of NIL. Thank, thank you thank so you. much. I had so much fun. No worries. Take thank care of yourself. Bye. All the best. Thank you for listening to the Sports Finder podcast. We'll catch you on our next episode. Y'all ready for this?